Hello and welcome to Voices from the Frontline from the Christian Medical Fellowship, where we hear from healthcare workers on the front line of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now we've uh, spoken to over 30 people now on the front line and there's been something nagging in the back of my mind and perhaps yours as well. What about those who aren't on the front line? What about those who hear the clapping and the, the pan banging every Thursday and, and feel that bit of guilt thinking, well, I'm not actually out there. I'm either at home isolating or I'm in another role in the healthcare field where I'm not dealing with COVID-19 patients. How about patients themselves who are still going into hospital who may seem a bit forgotten at this time. Well, this is going to be a fantastic conversation. I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Steve Sturman, who's Associate Head of Doctors at CMF and is also a Consultant Neurorehabilitation Specialist. Welcome, Steve. Hi, John. Thanks for asking. No, it's a pleasure. Now, I know I've really teed you up there, but it would be, be great just to hear what you're doing at the moment and um, some of your thoughts about, about being, being sidelined at this time of COVID-19. Well, I came into this in a slightly oblique way in that I'd just retired with a planned return in five weeks. At the end of February, I was due to go back in early April. And then this, this storm broke and I found myself sitting at home and completely out of it. And as you say, when you've lived your life and your role has been healthcare, and then this huge crisis comes and you're not able to be there in the thick of it, there was a kind of sense of, on the one hand, relief, but on the other hand, a nagging doubt that maybe... I should have been there doing my bit. At the same time, I, I think I, I had some symptoms of COVID, so I, I wasn't well enough to go anyway. But as I had time to think, it really kind of started to get to me. Sure. Yeah. So, so how did you r- respond to that? You know, when you were feeling like that. Well, the the first thing I, I think was that I was concerned, obviously, that that I'd lost. Well, there was a sense of almost grief about that and and frustration. Um, there's also a pride thing. You think that you're so important. You think that you, you really could ought to be doing something. And I felt God had to really speak to me about that, that it, it was a matter of waiting on him, that that's what really mattered. I think, too, there was a sense of guilt as well with the, the knowledge that other people were actually putting their lives at risk to care. And um, I wasn't involved in that. And there's also concern, really, and anxiety, I suppose. The fact that you're at risk of getting this condition creates a, a contagion phobia. And we've seen that, I think, more and more as, as the time has gone by, people have got more scared of the condition. And I think, too, um, anxiety is about the future. As you're sitting there just on the benches waiting, thinking, you start to wonder what the future holds. And uh, when you've got an active role in the crisis, it's much, you can be distracted. But when you're just sitting waiting, then those things, I think, loom larger. So that was was quite a big issue, I think, as well, just sitting there waiting and wondering what was to be done. Thanks, Steve. Now, I understand that you're you're back in clinical practice um, quite a lot, actually, at the moment. And for those who are listening who don't know, most of our hospitals are split into green and red zones um, or sometimes called clean and dirty. In other words, those who are dealing with COVID-19 patients and those who aren't. And I understand that your role has been very much dealing with those who aren't. What, what are you uh, observing and experiencing in that role? I think the first thing is that life does go on as normal and there's a lot of patients whose, whose care has been deferred or is pending, some with very serious conditions as we know, and it simply isn't possible or, or safe for them to receive treatment at the moment. So that's a, a real stress. And then for those who, who are kind of dealt, as it were, a, a very unfair blow at this time, it would seem, who get seriously ill, who have major trauma, then they're coping with that on the back of exclusion, not being relatives, not being able to visit, isolation. 
I've seen many patients the last few weeks who have spent already months in hospital and who are deeply troubled by their isolation, who can't have communication and uh, who are very vulnerable at this point. And uh, that's been a big, big issue, really. Added to that is is amongst the staff, a uh, very real fear. There's, there's many people from going to work is a daily exercise of of courage, really, in the face that they might get this condition, especially when they're seeing the effects of it. Steve, that's really fascinating because when, when we planned this, I was thinking of talking about, you know, just healthcare workers being sidelined, but there's almost that sense as well from what you're saying that even patients and, and relatives are feeling that sense of being of being sidelined at this time and so important to recognise that. Um, yeah, thank you. So as you've, as you've sort of pointed that out, um, I'm going to take you one step further and say, what has been your some of your responses? What have you sensed that God has been saying at this time? One of the things that's really come through very powerfully is the importance of faithful prayer. I think in, in, in more normal times, we pray and it's kind of conversation with God. But at this point, intercession, praying is really, I think, so important. That's become clear to me that it's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of time to be before God and to call out to him and to seek his help even some really massive things you might think how you know praying in your bedroom could have any impact on this pandemic whatsoever but i do believe and that our prayers our urgent fervent prayers are important I've, I've just been moved to say do pray because god is doing something very big here and we really need his help i think the second thing is to trust as well because there is a lot of fear i remember when i started to get symptoms at first fear gripped my heart and I remember one night when I was running a high fever I thought oh I need to get my will written I need to sort out my lasting power of attorney what if I end up in ITU and that was one of the first times in my life I really started to feel the fear of, of impending doom and yet in absolute parallel with that there was a certainty that I could trust God and I think keeping that trust strong that it, it's a ruthless trust isn't it? it says whatever Lord I'll trust you and I suppose the other thing that's come to mind is patience. You know, you, you, you might be not involved in the front line. You know, I'm not a COVID hero, but we just have to be patient for the things that God will do in our lives. And, and remember that God sets boundaries for good reason. I mentioned in my blog about the, the military experience where even on you know, the, the front line battlefield combat hospital, they, they work in teams and they exclude teams until their shift has come. Even when the helicopters are coming in, bringing more and more casualties, people are not brought in until their turn has come, until they're rotated. And I think we need to remember that God's very wise and he gives us what we need and he gives us the jobs to do that he knows we can handle and we should just wait for his time. I suppose the final thing that I've learned is just listen to what God's Spirit says as you're waiting on the benches, uncertain, or doing whatever you think God's given you to do. Just listen carefully, because our experience has been that little acts of kindness little things where god prompts you to make that phone call or to just remember somebody or to send a gift or something or, or just pray with somebody um can be absolutely massively impactful uh, i was just hearing of somebody the other day who remembers that 26 years ago a christian medic prayed with them as they were just going off to theater for breast cancer surgery and it's still in that person's mind 26 years later to the day what happened so let's not underestimate that the fact that little things that god's spirit prompts us to do in what seems a great big pandemic can be massively impactful for the individual 
Steve, thanks so much for that. And as I listen to you, I just, I'm just reminded, you know, our faith, the Christian faith, just gives us resources, doesn't it? It gives us resources when we're sidelined, if you like, on the bench, when we're tempted to overwork and overcommit. Our faith gives us resources. It's practical. It's earthy. It's not some airy fairy, fanciful thing. It's real life, and it applies to real life in healthcare. So, yeah, thanks for reminding us of that today, Steve. Thanks, John. Great. Well, it's great to hear from Steve. And in the show notes, we'll link to a First Incision podcast on personal well-being and going the distance where Steve and one of our Catalyst team leaders talk about the CMF pastoral care response. That includes you being able to contact us at wellbeing at cmf.org.uk to receive personal support, but also in local regions to join weekly uh, Zoom debriefs that are going on up and down the country. Steve also mentioned his blog, which we'll link to here. You can find other blogs on our website. Um, We've been speaking to people every day on our Voices from the Frontline podcast, and uh, we'd love for you to subscribe to our First Incision. Just go to First Incision podcast, subscribe, and share with your friends. We're the Christian Medical Fellowship. We're here to unite and equip Christian doctors and nurses to live and speak for Jesus Christ. We'd love for you to join us. I'll see you next time on Voices from the Frontline. Bye for now.